Hello, homeschool mamas. Welcome to the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Show. I'm Teresa Wiedrich at CapturingTheCharmLife.com, here to help you turn your homeschool challenges into your homeschool charms, especially if you're looking for a strategy or a few to tackle those challenges. I am so delighted to introduce you to our next guest. After almost 25 years of home educating her five children, Pat Fenner is making the most of her retired homeschool mom status. Besides continuing to support moms who homeschool high school at her blog, Breakthrough Homeschooling, she helps moms find meaning and purpose in the post-homeschooling stage of life through her signature course, The Empty Homeschool Nest Blueprint. I am so glad you're here. I'm so glad we get to chat again because I genuinely enjoy our conversations. Pat Fenner is someone that you need to know. She has been a homeschool coach for me online various times, and she just didn't know it. She was my tech coach. Well, that's pretty sad, Teresa. (laughs) (laughs) That speaks volumes about me. I'm really glad you're here. Would you start by telling us a little bit about your homeschool experience, your children, and how you got started in homeschooling? Sure, Teresa. First of all, I just want to thank you. This is so much fun. I enjoyed our last conversation and just getting to know you a little better and I look forward to speaking into your the lives of your listeners today. I am, well, as you introduced me, Pat Fenner, and I've homeschooled for 23 years. And I can use, say that in the past tense now because I am officially a retired homeschool mom. We have five kids and the oldest is way too old to be one of my kids because (laughs) up there but our kids range yeah from 32 to 16 and we homeschooled uh four of them through high school and long story but our youngest is actually wrapping or will be wrapping up public school for high school uh in a year or two we how i got we got into homeschooling we were living in the south in a very small community way back when we had my husband and I had been overseas with Habitat for Humanity for a few years with our two older kids. And we came back to the States and realized we're both from the Northeast. And we realized it's too cramped and crowded and busy and fast after living two years in a really laid back. We lived in the Dominican Republic, right on the border to Haiti. Just our lives had slowed down a lot while we were out there, you know, and we decided Mm -hmm. we really don't want to go back, excuse me, to the Northeast. So We're like, okay, well, we can stay. Habitat had its headquarters at the time in America's Georgia. And we figured, well, we'll stay there for a year and see where the Lord leads us. And so we we actually didn't even buy a house. We lived in volunteer housing on the Habitat uh, community, in in the Habitat community. Stayed there for a year. And then it was two years. And then we thought, okay, well, we can buy a house. And long story short, like 25 years later, we moved to where we're living now. So... We loved, absolutely loved Southwest Georgia, but weren't totally enamored with the school system. So we brought our kids, our young, two older ones home. And we had a, a church where there was, there was a lot of active homeschoolers. And they're always trying to get us, you know, come on, you got to do this. This is great. This is great. I'm thinking, you know, my husband and I were both, well, Paul, especially my husband was, both of his parents worked in education all their careers, you know, all their lives traditional university and middle school. And we just didn't think that that was 
homeschooling was kind of weird, you know? <laughs> it's like, fortunately, we saw the error of our ways. And really, once we started homeschooling, we realized it was just what a wonderful lifestyle and uh, just enabled so many wonderful opportunities for our kids over the years that we are definitely in the, the homeschooling camp. And I still consider myself, even after two years of being a retired homeschool mom, I still consider myself a homeschool mom because I just, I don't know, I identify with that a little bit. I remember so, saying that I was a, not a main, or I was a mainstream kind of gal. I wasn't one of those people as homeschoolers. So I identify with what you said as well. That's right. Yeah, they just, for the longest time for, for me, and not that I really had a lot of experience with homeschoolers prior to homeschooling and, and you know, looking into it, but for some reason, just when I thought of that, you know, I thought of the denim skirts and the Birkenstocks and just, too. Yeah. although Birkenstocks are in again. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're right. <laughs> this, is the, this, is the, this is the first iteration. Of them. What aspects of homeschooling did you fall in love with? Honestly, and I know this is going to sound a little weird if you have any of these all of a sudden homeschoolers listening to this episode, but I loved being with my kids. I just do, you know, there, there, I, I know that there are a lot of moms who are educating at home or distance learning during the time we're recording this, during the COVID pandemic. And they're like, gosh, my kids are driving me crazy. But I have to tell you, I'm going to speak to you, to, to, the, to those moms right now, speaking to those moms. It's because this, because of the stuff they're getting from their peers and the environment in which they have, where they have been going to school. And that's what you're reacting to. It's not your kids. You know, God puts you guys together for a reason. And you can still be in love with those kids who were those darling little babies, you know, that you remember. They, they have personalities and they're not the same that they were then. They are wonderful people. And the problem is that we, we've all got, or you have, or we, I guess, when, when we do have our kids out in traditional school, we all get into our own little lanes. We all do our own things. We all have our own influences. And that includes your kids. Like you want to believe that you're the parent and you're the role model and you're the resource that they should go to and the person they listen to. But when they are away from you for more time during the day than they are with you, you are, that's, that's an illusion. That's a fantasy. And, that and is, yeah, that is such good advice, Pat, because I think I've been steeped in the tea for so long that I forget some of the real benefits and you're right. They kind of absorb their peer environment. Absolutely. And now that's not to say that you won't have days that you're pulling your hair out, but like they will be too, because you know, here's the secret mom. You're not always fun to be around either. You know? <laughs> what? I know. I know. I hope you're sitting down and not. <laughs> P.S. I hope none of my children are listening. <laughs> right. They're not. So it's okay. No, I, yeah, they're not. Right. <laughs> but, um, you know, you'll still have conflict and challenge and everything. I mean, because you just do when you are living with somebody and, you know, like when you're with each other a lot. But because you are living with each other and with each other a lot, you also have the gift or the benefit of being able to work through these things and, and not being able to escape, like, you know, having your kid bang the door as they head out to school. And then the fight you had at the breakfast table never gets resolved. Right. You are together. You had a fight at the breakfast table. It's got to get resolved before you start being productive and getting schoolwork done. And then it's over. Then it's done. You, you know, and so you start learning to live with each other. You start seeing each other's struggles too. I mean, your kids, 
part of the reason that, that there's conflict at home when your kids are in public school is they get to, or traditional school, they get to only see you perhaps at your best, you know. You may, if you're working and you have a problem at work, you kind of leave it at work. So they don't see you work through problems, you know, whether it's an interpersonal thing or it's a challenge with your tech or your skills or, you know, whatever. Um, they, they lose out on the benefit of seeing you work through struggles and how an adult should do that. That's a beautiful benefit to homeschooling. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So that was one of the things that you saw as yeah. a homeschool mom as a benefit to homeschooling. Right. And we just had so much fun. You know, I just remember Google, like the kitchen of probably for many families, you know, it's kind of like home central. And um, even if we weren't homeschooling around the kitchen table, the way that, you know, a lot of people picture it, you know, you're preparing meals and you're cleaning up after a meal. Right? Like we were just around the kitchen a lot and, or in and out of the kitchen. But we would have so much fun and I'd be listening to um, my dark little secret is I, I still like 60s, 70s and 80s music. <laughs> <laughs> my kids like the old 80s music too. Yes, the old, yes, yes. But the old 80s music. I know. I, well, 60s and 70s then, that's a whole nother story, right? <laughs> yes. But see, like, I would play that stuff and we'd sing and we'd dance in the kitchen. And, and actually, my, my, our fourth son is home from college for a week or so. And he's helping around the house. And it was so cool. The other morning I woke up and he already, he was getting to work and he had 60s and 70s music playing on his, on his phone or whatever, you know. I know I sound like a, whatever that modern thing is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a phone, so I'm with you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he had his, he had music going, but it was my, my kind of music, you know, so it was kind of funny. But. I actually, on my kitchen table, table right now, I have bacterial cultures that we got from home science tools. And I've got chrysalids, like butterfly chrysalids growing in my pantry. <laughs> Yes, and, and, and yes, and your point. I mean, <laughs> yeah. welcome to the homeschool world. <laughs> Something is always on the kitchen counter that you wouldn't normally find. Oh, anywhere. absolutely. Yes, or in the pantry if you need the dark space for something to go. Yeah. yeah. Or ours was also the bottom shelf of the refrigerator if you needed dark and cool. It always depended on what you were doing. <laughs> so I saw as a flip side um, to having your kids with you, a lot of the time and I have to say because I'm so stupid and I have three of my four kids still at home with me until next year I notice that I focus on all the imperfections in the way that I relate and yet if I'm on a playground which clearly has not been happening lately if I'm on a playground I do notice that my kids are actually very respectful and very well behaved and considerate of other people but when I'm at home I notice those things so for the homeschool mom that has been around for a while with their kids, we get to focus a little bit too closely on, I call it the mirror in front of us and all the imperfections of us and them. A disadvantage, I think, of sometimes how we frame things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think the, the danger of that, the other side is, as you, as you, they're always under, we can tend to scrutinize their behavior. And any little flaw, any little, you know, little nip it in the bud. And I, don't, and I think sometimes that re, that's a reflection of we can over-identify with being a mom and a homeschool mom. And we can feel like it's a reflection on us if they misbehave. 
And so we don't want that, you know, because then it looks like, you know, that we're not being a good parent, or we're not being a good homeschool homeschooler, or we're not being a good person, you know, because we're, our kids, and we forget that, you know, still even as kids, they have their own minds, they will make their own decisions, they will make bad decisions, but they'll make good decisions, just like we will do both. And we need to get, and it's hard. I mean, I agree, it's hard to give them the freedom to make a bad decision, to misbehave, to fail, oh my gosh, to fail, <laughs> you know? And, and the further extension of that you know, that we have them under scrutiny is that we have ourselves under scrutiny and we don't give ourselves grace. I can remember looking at, you know, say if we're going through a tough time with one of our kids and thinking to myself, what am I doing? Like, how, how did I fail him? How did I fail her? You know, what did I do? What am I doing wrong that I'm not, I'm not doing well by, by them, you know, or worse that I'm letting God down with how I'm parenting and God, I'm letting God down by how I'm homeschooling them when he told me to do this, you know, and look what's happening. And I mean, it just gets all twisted and modeled and totally messed up. Yeah. Homeschooling um, is perfection and we should expect utopia. <laughs> right, Not true. Right. right. T- totally. A number one myth, right? <laughs> Huge myth. But, and even when we're living it and when we've been homeschooling for years, we still can fall prey to that. Like that really you have to, at least in my experience, you really have to keep that from in the forefront that you are not perfect. They're not perfect. It's okay to make mistakes. It doesn't mean that you're failing. It doesn't mean that they're failing and or that you let them down. It's just kind of life. And it's sin nature. I mean, we're, you know, I know it's very popular to say, everybody's good you know we we have good in us but you know I hate to be the bearer of bad news but really at the core of us is sin it's not that's why we need a savior you know so how do we reframe I you know this reminds me of one of the conversations that I've had with many people that could be discussing um different uncomfortable feelings like overwhelm or that feeling of not good enough or perfectionism or all those different kinds of human feelings that we all have but when we allow those feelings to become our focus then we really do some self we hurt ourselves because we get so focused on that we make it we certainly hurt others more as well so how do we reframe those moments like for instance that discussion of nitpicking our children how do we mentally reframe so that we're not always choosing to do that I have to say you know like I'm coming at this from a Christian standpoint so that's my worldview and I don't know I don't know how a secular homeschooler and I am not putting any kind of judgment on there how I would do it first of all you just have to pray I think we we know we have the Holy Spirit can kind of nudge us and tell us, hey, this is getting, you know, you're, it's too much about you, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of give you that little bit of, you know, or your conscience, I guess you could call it your conscience, whatever. Um, but give you that little nudge in your heart or a tug in your spirit that when, when you're focusing too much on you, you know, when their behavior is becoming a reflection of you, when you feel bad because of, you know, when it's all about you, when it becomes about me, there's something wrong. And that's what personally, I just, you have to go to God and say, forgive me of this because even though this may be a role and a mission that you've given me in life right now, it's not about me. It's still not about me. It's about you. And it's about these kids, these blessings that you've given me, how to best serve them and how to best serve you. 
And the so, one that's looking after you is the one that's looking after them and is a greater advocate for them than us. Absolutely. As much as you love your kids, God loves them like a bajillion times more. It's really important to remember that because, because someday you, they will be gone. I know if you have little ones right now and you're listening to this, you feel like, ah, that's easy for you to say, <laughs> these days will never get up. But I have found that the days may be really long, but the years they fly. They so true. I thought that was such a cliche until it actually happened. And then I went, Oh, it happened. <laughs> That's what they mean. They're going to be gone and you're going to have not much influence, not much control. I, I was just heartbroken the other day. I, I wrote a, an article for a guest post a while back on how to be a parent to children, to grown children, you know, so you're obviously not going to be telling them what to do, but just how that relationship kind of morphs. And you go through a period, I went through a period where I realized like they didn't really want to hear it from me. They really weren't interested in my opinion. They didn't, even if I had gone through the, like the exact same thing they were going through, they didn't care. <laughs> they didn't, that was really, really, really hard. But, but when you realize that, yes, you love them and yes, it's heartbreaking and you can go ahead and mourn and do that. But ultimately, the bigger picture is that God hasn't forgotten them, and God still has them in the palm of his hand, and he's playing out his will for their lives in their journey. It's not your journey anymore. Was you know, it you challenging mean, for you when they were a lot younger for you to see that or to have that perspective? That, that You mean that, like that they had their own journey to go through and stuff? Or when they were a lot younger and that's, those were the feelings that you were having, not necessarily about as an adult child, but as a younger child, when you're in the midst of it, did it feel like you had perspective? No, I, I, I feel like one of, one of the things I, if I had to do it over that I would change would be that I would have worked more on self-development and, and maintaining a little bit of um, boundaries, you know, having boundaries and making time. And this, this, re, this refers to self-care. I mean, that, that was the big thing that, that I was not great at, but the aspect of it that I wasn't really good at was like maintaining or developing new skills for myself that I would have been able to use or would be able to use after homeschooling was over. Like I was so, I, I read books, every, my life was consumed with homeschooling. You know, I knew methods I knew learning styles I would you know curriculum you asked me I've, I've researched it you know I could tell you anything but what did I like to do what was I good at what did I picture my post-homeschool life about I would look at you like like I wouldn't even know what to say you know I hear people now tell me that that's not their role and so that they're not supposed to be focusing like that and I actually understand that because I was also there and like I'd said on your podcast interview when you interviewed me that I also came out of the womb wanting to be a mom so mm -hmm. I had that focus but then I came to understand that you really are separate from them. And it didn't happen for me because my first child left home, but it was more um, in my own story where I came to understand that I didn't have really strong boundaries or a sense of my own self. The language you're speaking speaks directly to my story at about the age of 30 and realizing that I have very few boundaries and I have very little sense of my own self. And it's a wild thing that 
people, moms, dads, when we have a really strong sense of our identity and we have a strong sense of separateness, we're actually able to connect more with those people in our world, not less. Absolutely. Because for one thing, knowing that somebody who is separate and distinct is speaking into our lives, we don't, we don't feel any kind of fear or defensiveness or worry that they're trying to take over or tell us what to do. So you can hear something differently from someone. Mom's meddling. She's just, she's got you know, this situation or whatever. And I think I listen to her. You know, it just becomes less threatening when you know that the person speaking into your life has their own boundaries. And I don't know if this was, is your experience that you're actually working through right now or has been, but because you don't have that sense of self, and this happened, this was my experience too. When all of a sudden I found myself a retired homeschool mom, I was up the creek. It was unexpected when we stopped homeschooling. We had moved into this area and they had a good school system. And my husband decided it would be nice. He, I think he was kind of pushing the empty nest thing because he was looking forward to you know just doing things as a couple again. And so he suggested that we enroll our daughter in high school. She was going to be a freshman. So it was a good tra you know, transition point. And uh, see how it goes. Well, I thought for sure that thought would work its way out because we've been homeschooling for like for 23 years. But no, it didn't. And so I ended up having to be the one because he works out of town I, to go to the public school and register her, which was the hardest day in my life. And if I stop to think about it, I will sob. So I will not do that. <laughs> because it was, I feel you've been there. It was horrible. Mm -hmm. And the first couple of days that she left, I, if to save my life, I couldn't tell you what, what I did. Um, the first day I know what I did, I sat on the couch and I sat on my couch in the living room and I looked at that clock until she came home. I didn't even get up to have my pathetic, <laughs> pathetic Teresa. I know. <laughs> No, I followed my daughter on the bus to grade, whatever it was, grade 10, the same as I did the first day of her kindergarten. She doesn't know that unless she's listening to this. And it is disturbing what I just said. I know. But we are not our homeschool mom identity. That is an identity, but is an identity. An, yes. And the problem is when you don't have another one when that becomes the identity, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I'll admit it took me, I did go through a, it was never clinically diagnosed, but I definitely went through a depression. It was hard letting go. I had, it, yeah, it was, it was not good. And, but out of that, but see this thing, like looking back on it, out of me working through it, I developed my empty homeschool nest blueprint program, which I really reaching out to other moms because I know I'm not the only one that felt like that. I mean, look, we, you and I are talking. Exactly. We only live in the same country for crying out loud. And opposite ends of the countries. That's right. And we had, you know, a similar experience. So I know that we're not alone. And had I not gone through that as really as excruciating, I would not wish that on anybody. And that is, that's why I pulled all those materials together that I worked through in a program so that other moms don't have to go through that again because nobody should have to go through that. It's not healthy 
to go through what I went through when we stopped homeschooling. It's I've heard that many times, that experience. I have noticed in myself that as my boundaries have increased or have been maintained, really, because it's not like they keep going up, but they, as they've been maintained, I've noticed actually that I'm more comfortable with the idea of unschooly approach, although I'm not a radical unschooler by any means, much more child-directed education. So then I'm actually more, I feel more free and I trust them a little bit more, follow their interests more. Mm -hmm. There's times where I think, oh, you know, my youngest is 11 and he absolutely loves history. He even started its own podcast once upon a time on ancient Roman civilization. And as soon as someone in the physical public um, complimented him on it, then he stopped doing it. (laughs) I thought it was the most amazing activity for his um, interest in history. And yet I have all these ideas of how I think he should pursue his interest in history. And yet he really just wants to read. And, you know, his his oldest sister is actually an ancient, uh, she has a minor in her first year university uh, degree in ancient Greek and ancient Roman civilization. So she's 19 and she's called my 11-year-old son to consult him on history concepts. They're very capable of being self-directed in their learning. And when I have a stronger sense of boundary, I actually enable it more. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a strength. We get we get so tied up into, are they learning what they're supposed to be learning? Like that's supposed to, first of all, I, I hate that word. I hate that word. I wish it was never invented because like supposed to is, is an amorphous kind of description that somebody invented. I mean, even school in, in the United States, even school districts within a state have different requirements for what you're going to be learning year to year, you know, in some areas. And so like who decides that stuff? It, it's so subjective and the, the problem with making sure our kids have checked you know air quotes here have checked off what they're learning that year is they start developing this dependency and i'm um, being spoon-fed well what am i supposed to learn next now what am i interested in what what can i pursue that i'm gifted at that i might be able to use forget about as a career as an adult you know how many teenagers and stuff have started well your son started a podcast age. I mean, you don't have to have a certain, be a certain age before you can start a business or start, you know, have a cool project that can develop into, you know, bringing income. I mean, it just, the sky's the limit when you, when you are in pursuing what you're interested in, when you feel empowered by the people around you, such as your mom, if you're homeschooling, you know, like you, as you are healthy. Yes. Making a more healthy environment for them. Wow. Is that ever true? It's just a win-win, 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 win. It's all around a win, you know. The um, one thing I don't like about homeschooling is that I can't, I can't teach stuff and that be the thing I teach. It's always or the most important things that they learn are the things that they're watching me too. And those are good and not so good. <laughs> that's true. What's that saying? Uh, you know, more is caught than taught. And dang it, don't catch the bad stuff. <laughs> <laughs> or that must be my husband. That can be. <laughs> So we're talking about some really, I think some really big picture stuff for self-care strategies, because it's really about how we're approaching things. But tell me something that you think is just a fun self-care nowadays or what you do nowadays. I know you said that you weren't so strong in it before, and you don't have to answer 
Netflix, dark chocolate, or <laughs> Bob is it? Wait a minute, those are my answers. <laughs> no. no, no, because honestly, while it's, okay, like, that's a good thing on a short-term thing, but like during this pandemic season, we have, you know, and I'm guilty too, okay, but I think many of us have definitely gone off the deep end in terms of a dark chocolate in the Netflix. Okay. It's, it's crossed the boundary. It's no longer self-care ladies. <laughs> it's like addiction. Okay. Get off the couch. Okay. <laughs> Daily routines. <laughs> but I, yeah, that's right. But that's important. Yeah. That's, that's a good self-care thing, by the way. And that is something that I've had to incorporate, not even so much during the pandemic, but since I'm not homeschooling and I don't have the kids around and we don't have other activities that naturally help us do routine, like it's my routine now is on me and probably you as you let go of your boundaries with your kids and help that and and they get more self-directed that's so somewhat to you too you know even with while you're homeschooling that your routine is is on you so which netflix show (laughs) (laughs) well now for some well i have to admit yes my my which i've recently finished over the past three months of the pandemic i have binge watched ncis because I just love the characters, how they interrelate to each other. I have but, to tell you something. I am one of the very few people that is not binging on Netflix because I fall asleep and I aspire to be a Netflix binger, but <laughs> <laughs> I fall asleep. <laughs> I am getting no old. I may be the only one in North America. You know what? That's good. That's good. No, what I do, what I enjoy doing is, well, one of the things we talked about before we started recording this too was, Um, One of my kids taught me about self-care and I have to say, if it's not fun, it's, there's gotta be some element of fun in it. You know, I have to really enjoy it. Last summer, the the local gym around here did a discount for teenagers got a free summer membership if the parent enrolled. So I thought that was cool. So I was like, well, you know, I need accountability. So my, I thought my daughter and I would go to the gym, you know, we didn't enjoy it. Like neither one of us enjoyed it. And all her friends that were going to join together and everything, nobody showed up. <laughs> so, we, so we were like, you know what? We're just, this isn't fun. What's, we're, no. Why do, Why are we doing this to ourselves, you know? So I like to, I mean, I like to bike ride. I like to work in the garden. I actually am one of those weird people that I really enjoy house cleaning if I can crank the music real loud. Like I like nice. to, I got to have 60s and 70s music going around so I can bebop. that's great yeah I'm with you I'm a gardener I like being outside to exercise my uh, 15 year old is almost 15 year old is asking me to do ab ab workouts every day oh (laughs) yes for three days in a row but I have shown up for about 30 crunches that's it (laughs) that's okay you showed up girl I I think I'd be like I don't know if I can do this as much as I love you dear My son tells me that I do indeed have a six pack. It's just hidden. <laughs> That's so sweet. <laughs> I love that. What would be your favorite fun self-care strategy? Obviously not going to the gym. Not going to the gym. But I, well, man, what, I said, what I need to do, like we're kind of new in this community. And both my neighbors on both sides have pools. But one of them, see, I love swimming. Like water is my jam. And what I prefer is the ocean. Like I really love the salt water. Oh, yeah. So my favorite fun self-care strategy really would be swimming in an outdoor pool. So I've got to get a friend. We used to have a pool where we lived. 
our house for 25 years and now we don't have a pool anymore so I can't just do our pool. Time to make friends well, with the neighbors. Yes, 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 most definitely. I need to, uh, yeah, get in their backyard. Say the gardening and the bike riding right now would be, you know, primarily like kind of exercise kind of stuff. You know, doing household chores to music. <laughs> what would you say is an identity then of yours that is not a homeschool mom identity? Well, this is a brand new thing that we are still having to get comfortable with, but I've become a short-term rental host. Years and years and years ago, my husband and I used to have this dream about having a, a bed and breakfast, you know, having a house. So we have a guest suite in the, in the rear of our house that my father-in-law was actually living in when he lived with us. But prior to him moving in with us, and then since he passed, we, we used it as a, like an Airbnb, you know, a room suite to rent. So we're doing it again. It's so much fun. I love meeting people. Be kind of gravitating towards, or they are gravitating towards us, uh, traveling nurses. Very interesting people. And just a really interesting career path that I just never even knew about before we started renting. Daughter in Atlanta, not only hosts in her own home, but she co-hosts for friends and for other people, like as a business. So she'll run other people's rental rentals she's so smart and she's just so sharp you know and, and I'm learning so much from her so I, whenever I have a question I always go ask her what should I do what do you know yeah isn't that wild that you actually get to return and learn from your own children absolutely so tell me what you normally do Friday nights or have you lost track of the days I have lost track it's terrible because um well honestly Friday nights are what what I what I've started to call my life the first Saturday and how they came up with that is my husband works out of town Monday through Thursday. He gets home on Thursday night. Now, Thursday night, he barely talks because he, he drives. He has to drive like five hours to where he works. So when he gets home on Thursday night, he pretty much just crashes. That's it. Friday is like our first Saturday, and we do chores and stuff around the house. Try not to open my laptop and do any of my work-related stuff, you know, writing or recording or anything like that. And we work together. And then we try to do a date night on Friday nights. We're not very good at it all the time, but we're trying to get better. That counts. And this way, Saturday, then we just kind of relax and chill. And So dancing and we, the 60s and 70s music on Friday night? Well, we don't go dancing together. <laughs> in, the, in the family room. <laughs> in the family room, that's right. Yeah. You know, when the kids were around, Friday night was, was movie and pizza night. You know, we would, of course, back then we'd go out to... The big movie store that closed down, and which I can't even—it's terrible. I can't even remember the name. Anyway, we go out and rent a movie, you know, bring it home, and have a pizza, and just spend time together. I mean, we liked all—all all being together as a family, you know. Friday nights it was kind of for that. Tell me, what would you give as a piece of advice for all those new to homeschool, or those suddenly homeschoolers, or those unexpected homeschoolers, or let's just call them those people at home that have to take care of their kids and do learning. <laughs> First, I'd say breathe, because we can get so stressed out with getting our, especially parents who have to work as well, who are working at home, working from home now. Heart goes out to them. It's a lot. There's a lot to do. But breathe deeply, and it really does reduce, physically reduce the stress in your body. I mean, you can feel it. If you take a second to just sit up straight, just even right now, and take a couple of deep breaths. I just did, just before I said something about it, you really just physically feel a little bit less stress. 
breathing, you know, it sounds like, well, that's a silly, that's like, duh, but we don't, we breathe very shallowly most of the time. And then when we get that fight and flight, fight versus flight and feel like we've got to get this done, we've got to get the kids, you know, all this stuff, we get stressed out and we don't breathe deeply. So breathe, have grace, like, and mercy on yourself and your kids and the whole situation, like, don't assume the worst about what's going on, about your environment, about the kids fighting. I mean, even, even the stuff that you perceive as negative, it really won't last forever. It really won't. And it really isn't the end of the world, even though it feels like it sometimes, which really have nothing to do on the surface with educating your children. And yet has everything to do with educating your children. Because if you're not, if you're stressed out, if you're too, if you're hyper-focused on minutiae, you you lose sight of the big picture and you lose sight of the relationships and the people around you. And then before you know it, it is all gone. Whether they've grown and left or COVID, you know, people get sick. I mean, it just happens. We, we're all living with that as, as a reality right now. And things do change whether or not you think they will. They do. And you don't want to be left with regrets. I was going to ask you, what would you give as an advice or a piece of advice for already established homeschoolers? But that is just like hitting it right on the head. It speaks to me. Beautiful. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. And it is a challenge. I'm not, I'm not minimizing it. You know, it is a challenge when you're in the throes, when you have all the kids around and you've got all the stuff that has to get done and, and all the activities that have to, you have to get to, although now nobody has any activities that have to get to. Which can be really stressful in itself, too. But you know, what's um, really stressful is actually everybody's on a Zoom link, and you just have to be really careful that that is not the moment that you're yelling at your kids. <laughs> it's like now you don't have to ask you don't have to ask your kids or check your calendar with like who, who has to go where. It's who's going to be on Zoom at two o'clock. You know, I need this. I'm recording something. I need the bandwidth. You have to get off the you know the game board, whatever. It's just. Who knew? We should have taken shares out of Zoom or in Zoom. Yeah, really. (laughs) It has been a real privilege interviewing you today. Again, chatting with you. I could literally do this every week. (laughs) I know, I could too. (laughs) Tell our listeners where we can find you and how we can access your coaching resources. Oh, sure. Thank you for asking. Well, I continue to blog uh, at Breakthrough Homeschooling. All one word. Yes, it's very, very long. I have a YouTube channel as well that I'm, I'm building up and I am relaunching my, I, I actually have two podcasts that I have, have been working on. One of them is Prayers for a Lifestyle of Learning and it's a mom's devotional, which is where you will find in the future of my interview with Teresa. And the other one is the Empty Homeschool Nest, which is primarily for, you know, for moms who are on the verge or have found themselves retired and just need some guidance, focus, you know, help walking through that, that the transition. Thank so. you so much for joining me today, Pat. It was a pleasure to chat with you. Oh, it was so much fun, Teresa. Thank you. Thank you for the time. Thank you for joining me today. I would love to hear more about who you are, so come on over to my Facebook or Instagram page, Capturing the Charmed Life. My goal is to equip you with strategies to help you turn your challenges into your charms. If you want to learn more about my course, How to Homeschool 101, 
or my upcoming book, Homeschool Mama Self-Care, Thrive, Not Just Survive, head over to www.capturingthecharmedlife.com. You'll also find the show notes and links to everything you've heard in this episode. I hope you and your kids have a charmed week. And until next time, I hope you can turn your challenges into your charms. <laughs>